0: Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. I think the judge is finally getting tired of all the delay in the Brian Koberger case and I think he's going to do something about it. Donna Adelson will get no plea deal and she'll like it. A young boy in Nevada turns his mom in for, guess what? Possession of meth. That Oklahoma judge who couldn't pay attention, she's resigning, finally. And her dumb criminal of the day, doing what we would all like to do. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. Lawyer. Lawyer! Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Please like if you do. Leave me a comment below and hit that little bell for notifications. Yes, sometimes you can go to YouTube jail and you have to start all over again. Even like yesterday, they didn't like our content demonetized us which means you don't get put out there to everybody. It's, it's a, it's a uh, hazard that we have to deal with here at Crime Talk, but we do it to bring you information about the cases that most of the country won't be talking about. All right, let's go ahead and get to the docket here for uh, February 13th, 2024. First, the Brian Koberger matter. Yes, the judge in that case is John Judge, Judge John Judge. He has uh, ordered that the lawyers uh, be ordered to prepare and discuss dates for a new trial along with the defense motion for a change of venue. And uh, he wants to give some deadlines for discovery cutoff deadline dates, some expert disclosure deadlines, and deadlines for filing any pretrial motions. Now, this is going to be a public hearing, which is good. And that's going to be on the 28th. Now, why is the judge doing this? Well, this case has lingered for quite a while. As you recall, Brian Koberger is charged with four counts of murder and burglary as it relates to the November 13th. Remember that t- November 13th of 2022 is the day of the offense. That is now 14 months into this particular case. And the defense in the uh, Koberger uh, is simple. He didn't do it, right? He, uh, according to their own disclosures, their alibi disclosures, is that he just happened to be driving around um, Idaho and Washington State at about the time of the offenses with his phone off during certain periods of those times or not getting a good enough cell reception to register. But he clearly was not at the uh, residence itself. That's going to be their theory. Uh, The DNA at the house on the uh, sheath, on the K-Bar, DNA contamination or planting of evidence. That's what they've kind of suggested. I'd go with the contamination. It works a little better. And um, you know that the prosecutors aren't really ready for it either. I mean, let's face it, that house was a party house. There could be a million reasons how the DNA got transferred or was contaminated in some way or the other. And after 14 months, don't you think the defense has probably picking a horse they need to ride on this particular case? Yes, I would think so. Do you think that they have talked to various DNA experts that will go along with that particular theory or say, yeah, that theory, it's it's not it's not gonna work? Yes, I assure you, as of now, the defense has talked to those people. They know where this case is going. Yes, they're saying, oh, we're constantly getting new discovery and it would take the next 10 years to review all the discovery. Guess what, 99% of that stuff is duplication, hasn't um, been thoroughly investigated prosecution, and probably is not relevant to the defense either. And the case, let's face it, it's not going to get better factually, all right? Most cases don't rely upon the law. The case isn't gonna go away based upon the law. It's gonna be who finds the better facts. This case has received so much publicity. This case has received so much notoriety the facts are set. If somebody else had a good fact or a bad fact for Brian Koberger, it would have been discovered thus far. Now, I get it. The defense is saying, hey, this is a death penalty case. We need to do our factual investigation. We need to do our uh, death penalty mitigation in case he is convicted so that we're ready to go because we don't want a fiasco like they had in the chad de bell lori valo matters and the defense will take as much time as they want frankly the longer it goes the less likely something bad happens to their client yes delay is a tactic oftentimes ladies and gentlemen why people get bored of the case Prosecutors move on. They wanna do something differently. But more than likely, witnesses start to scatter. They start moving out of state. They start taking different jobs. It becomes an inconvenience. And any good prosecutor or victim witness advocate will tell you that keeping track of your witnesses is like herding cats. And when all these college kids that are potential witnesses start scattering all over the country, it's gonna get more and more difficult. So Judge John Judge, let's set this thing. Let's not wait for another year for this case to be set. The job will expand to the amount of time given. Everyone should have had enough time to consult their experts at this point. Let's get the show on the road. And maybe not this summer, but probably let's move the case to Boise, maybe August, September timeframe, and let's do this thing. Otherwise, you're going to wind up with a mess like Chad Daybell. And as I was preparing for today's show, I thought I'd take a little stroll down memory lane with Chad Daybell's case just to see what is going on there. And guess what? The prosecution has filed their 18th supplemental discovery notice back on January 30th, which prompted Mr. Pryor to file a motion to extend his expert reports because of the information could affect their expert reports. And obviously, he needs time to Review it, analyze it, comprehend how all this new evidence fits into the big picture and the small picture. And guess what? It'll probably be granted. Hasn't been ruled on yet, as of yet. But as you remember, back on January 12th of this year, Mr. Pryor blew his chance of getting off the case. He could have got off the case. All he had to say was, Judge, I don't have the resources to properly defend this case. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And he would have got court-appointed, state-qualified defense counsel. But instead, he decided to stay on his case because he couldn't let his ego go away. <laughs> Basically, his his ego got in the way and said, Judge, it's not about the money. I could do this case. But, I mean, he must have been driving home just thinking, what have I done? Who's going to pay for these experts? We know Chad Bell has no money. Is he going to pay for these experts to come by themselves? Are they going to donate their time Very, very unlikely. And guess what? There could probably be another motion to continue at some point, or in the alternative, another motion to withdraw in that particular case. So judge, let's set the case, let's do it, let's do it, and uh, everybody can move along from there. Next on the docket, Donna Adelson. There will be no offer for her, she gets nothing. Reminds me of that Seinfeld episode they they going for the soup? And the soup Nazi says, no soup for you. Well, Donna Adelson, she gets no offer. So they were in court. And they, being the parties, Miss Adelson, her attorneys, and the prosecutors, and the judge. And the judge inquired whether this matter is going to go to trial, whether there are any plea offers uh, have, have been extended in this case. And uh, the prosecutor says, yeah, no, we don't uh, plan on extending any offers for Miss Adelson. Now, remember, she's 74, and she's charged with first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and solicitation to commit murder for the death of her former son-in-law, the uh, former uh, Florida State University professor, uh, Dan Markle. Now, you have to remember also that Adelson's son, Charlie Well, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole after a jury found him guilty of masterminding the plot that led to Markle's shooting death outside of his uh, home there in Florida. And as you may recall, after her son was uh, been sentenced, uh, she was uh, gonna take a little trip, gonna take a little trip out of the country to some non-extradition countries. She knew the heat was on. She got arrested, She can't make bond. So. Anyway, Ms. Adelson appeared uh, via the uh, court hearing uh, via Zoom and really didn't, uh, like I said, uh, say anything other than thank you to the court at the end of the hearing. Uh, but the judge did schedule a trial uh, for Ms. Adelson to begin on uh, September 30th. He also advised the attorneys that he would enter a second order that would address cutoff dates for discovery and actually chuckled that sometimes cases take on a mind of their own. And uh, the judge also asked the uh, defense whether they intended to make any offers to the prosecution, and they said, uh, nope. And then the court noted that, uh, well, obviously those offers need to be relayed and then it'll be Ms. Adelson making the decision of whether she rejects those. Uh, any offers that are not forthcoming, or whether she proceeds to trial. And like I said, the defense says we have no intention of making any offers to the state. That's what I like. Stand your ground, Ms. Adelson. Let's have a trial. Next on the docket, to maybe a little more redeemable uh, individual, yes, a boy. Look at this. Look at this video. A young boy, I think he's nine years old, called the cops on his mom because he found drugs. So take a look, this little boy, nine years old, handed police in the uh, body cam videos, a massive bag of methamphetamine that he found under his mom's nightstand. The little boy looked, um, uh, apparently had locked himself into the bathroom and uh, called the dad. Now, we're not talking like this kid's living in the slums or anything. This house is worth almost a half a million dollars there in Las Vegas, in Henderson, Las Vegas to be exact. Anyway, when the kid goes into the bathroom, he FaceTime his father, who then called the police. Guess what? The kid stayed in the bathroom till the police showed up. And uh, when the police arrived, they knocked on the door. And um, the kid brings them the uh, methamphetamine that he had found. Of course, the uh, mom denied any knowledge of it, but it turned out it was about 100 grams or about 3.5 ounces of meth in the house. Now, all this took place back in July of 2022, and uh, the footage was finally released. Now, Kendra Long, the um, mother of the child, was arrested on a drug trafficking and child abuse charges, and she told the cops that she had no idea how those drugs got there. Well, maybe she used some of that alleged drug money to pay her $25,000 bail. They got her out. And guess what? During some of the legal proceedings, prosecutors showed text messages that Miss um, Long knew she was in fact dealing drugs because they said, hey, do you want to come over and buy $100 worth of drugs or an ounce? Anyway, the boy's parents are divorced and the uh, child is under the care of the father. Okay, remember that Oklahoma judge that couldn't be troubled with paying attention to a homicide trial, was too busy texting? Well, she's finally quitting. So the Oklahoma judge, District Judge Tracy Soderstorm, has agreed to step down from the bench immediately and will not seek a judgeship in the state of Oklahoma. Now, Judge Soderstorm acknowledged uh, that she was sending text messages during a trial and that that was the wrong thing to do. She put out a statement and said, I texted her during a trial. It doesn't matter if it was a traffic case, a divorce case, or a first-degree murder case. I texted during a trial, and that was inappropriate. Anyway, an investigation with uh, Judicial Counsel and Attorney Regulation concluded that uh, Soderstrom was not paying attention during the jury trial, and apparently came to the conclusion that the defendant was innocent of murder during that trial that she was overseeing back in June of 2023. This was specifically the trial of Christian Marzal, who was charged with first-degree murder for the 2018 death of a two-year-old child. Now, the child's mother, Judith Danker, had pled guilty to enabling child abuse back in 2019, and she received a 25-year sentence. She was the state's key witness in this particular trial where the judge uh, was overseeing. But the judge said, hey, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. I didn't give up my impartiality in any way because I was not the fact finder. The jury was. But the judicial complaint lists 12 text messages between the uh, judge and her bailiff, a woman by the name of Angela Miller. Um, in that complaint, it alleges that um, or Judge Soderstrom says that the district attorney, Adam Pantner, was sweating through his coat. To which Miller responded, yes, it's gross. He's gross and a horrible speaker. Next, regarding the assistant district attorney, Ryan Stevenson, Soderstorm uh, wrote that the jury is going to hate him. Ms. Miller responded, absolutely. He's an arrogant fill in the blank. The bailiff also made crass remarks about the prosecutor's genitals and with the judge replying with a laughing emoji. Now Soderstrom also expressed an admiration for the defense attorney in the case. Can I clap for her? She texted at one point in the text messages. The judge said that the prosecutors weren't used to going up against competent attorneys. The additional text said again, ripping the DA during witness testimony. Miller Miller wrote, "He's horrible." To which Soderstrom agreed, and Miller replied, "Sucks." Now, when a video was played to a witness who was testifying, the judge texted. "'This is boring.'" The judge later texted. "'This is dumb.'" During the state's direct examination of a witness, and the bailiff responded, "'I just don't hope the jury doesn't buy this.'" Blank. Now, when Danker was testifying, Soderstrom spent the majority of the testimony texting things such as, "'Can I please scream, liar, liar?' Now, Soderstrom was apparently um, attracted to a police officer who testified. He's pretty. I could look at him all day, the judge wrote to uh, her bailiff. The bailiff responded, same. She also opined whether a juror was wearing a wig. That's a wig. Look at that hairline. The judge also expressed her opinion that the state couldn't obtain its desired verdict. DNA excluded. Marzal on the bed. No way he'll get guilty on murder. Miller had gone on vacation by the time the jury instructions rolled around, but Soderstrom had no problem keeping her up on the latest developments in the proceedings. We are giving it an alternative instruction on second-degree manslaughter. Miller responded, but no, just enabling child abuse. He didn't kill that kid. Soderstrom said she'd rather give the second-degree manslaughter instruction because it carries two to four-year sentence instead of the 25-to-life enabling child abuse requires. Ah, the bailiff responded, and he's already served that. Now, the complaint also accused the judge of a host of other misdeeds, including forcing male attorneys to take a picture in a pink chair, accusing certain attorneys of being incompetent, and being overly critical of the uh, district attorney there as well. Needless to say, the uh, DA's office accused uh, the judge of uh, you know, maybe not having uh, impartiality as a judge. This judge should go away. You would think she would be smarter, but everybody always thinks they can get away with stuff like this and it always comes back to bite them. I once saw a situation where a judge uh, was commenting on, a district attorney's appearance, and uh, it was not a flattering one, uh, comparing him to a very evil person throughout history due to his uh, mustache. Oh yeah, you know what the judge forgot to do? Tell the court reporter to take this off record. And so there was a transcript of it. That judge ultimately resigned and uh, became an arbiter or something. But, you know, as a judge, you have to do it better and cleaner than everybody else. Finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. How many times have we said, don't live stream the crime scene or record it and put it up on YouTube? So a YouTuber accused of speeding from Colorado Springs to Denver in about 20 minutes has been arrested in Texas. Now, I had to do some research. Now, I was aware of this case kind of when it happened. And I went to an event and uh, somebody uh, in the uh, uh, Colorado Springs Police Department was, was chatting about it. Um, And so I had to do some confirmation because a a, um, subscriber sent me this story and thought it'd be interesting. It is interesting. And like I said, so this motorcyclist is accused of speeding from Colorado Springs to Denver in about 20 minutes. He did this last year, and ultimately, the uh, state patrol issued a warrant for his arrest. Now, the Colorado State Patrol announced that the arrest warrant had been issued for the rider. Who is identified as a guy by the name of Rendon Tyler Dietzman of Texas? That arrest warrant issued back in December fifth. Well, here's the catch: on September 28th, uh, Dietzman rode the motorcycle from Colorado Springs to Denver, like 20 minutes, probably averaging about 150 miles an hour, weaving in and out of the lanes, all recorded and put up on YouTube for the world to see. The Video has since been taken down. Well, <laughs> once the police were made aware of it, of course, everybody wants to know, what are you gonna do about this? And oh, did I mention that, ride Usually takes about an hour and a half. Yeah, 20 minutes. I wish we all could do that drive. It is so bad, the traffic's so bad anymore these days. Good on him. Anyway, so this motorcyclist guy was out bragging about it. Police notify it. They start issuing search warrants to YouTube to find out who this guy is, because he had no idea. It's all anonymous. Anyway, he's been charged with speeding and a complete disregard for the safety and those around him. But the problem is, guess what? It's a misdemeanor. It's non-extraditable. So although this guy got arrested in Texas for some similar conduct, he's probably not coming to Colorado. But maybe he wants to come to Colorado. And if he steps foot in Colorado, he could get arrested if They uh, find him. So he's got the speeding and reckless driving. And um, well, that's just dumb putting it up on YouTube. You can't outrun the long arm of the law, especially when you put it on video. So Mr. Rendon Tyrell Dietzman, you are our dumb criminal of the day. And hey, little legal advice here for you. Uh, you should always get warrants resolved, but if you never come back to the state of Colorado, the chances of you ever being arrested on this and facing prosecution is about slim to none. But in the meantime, if you're going to speed, don't put it on camera, Dietzman, Mr. Dietzman. You are a dumb criminal of the day. All right, thanks for watching, everybody. Please join us tonight. Last week we had a great conversation about the Crumley matter. We may talk a little bit about that. We got Vallo. We got the Traconis case going on. We got the OnlyFans case getting ready to start down in Florida. There's so much to talk about. It's your program. You tell us what we're going to talk about as well. We'll see you tonight. Have a wonderful day. And remember, the Constitution matters.